Welcome to the RBC Pulpit Podcast. Today, Pastor Rusty brings us a message from John chapter 20 titled, Do Not Disbelieve, But Believe. Brother Rusty's talking about the Apostle Thomas, and believe it or not, Thomas has quite a reputation, and that reputation is doubting. So, with today's message, here's Pastor Rusty. If you have your Bibles, open them to John chapter 20 for a message from Jesus' words entitled, Do Not Disbelieve, But Believe. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have chosen to bring your son glory by changing our lives. Lord, thank you for choosing us, for changing us, Lord, for making us born from above to bring your son glory. And Lord, right now, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would teach us, Lord, would change us, that we would leave here more like your son and that he would get the glory. Lord, we thank you that we got to bring him glory by a changed life and celebrating what you've done in Aden. We thank you, Lord, that we got to worship you through song. And Lord, I just ask that we would now worship you by studying your word. Bless us, Father. Help us to understand it and to apply it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in our story, in our narrative in John chapter 20, We've arrived where Jesus has risen from the dead. People have seen him. He appeared to the disciples. So remember, the disciples were there. Some other people were there. The two men that had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Emmaus ran back to Jerusalem and they said, Hey, Jesus is risen. And as they were there, Jesus was amongst them. We saw that last week, and it was exciting. And now here's what's happened, though. During that encounter, one of the disciples did not actually get to see the risen Christ. Now, on the count of three, I want you to finish this person's name. We call him Doubting Doubting Thomas. Poor Thomas. I mean, man, the guy says one thing, and then forever we call him, oh, you know, Doubting Thomas. Oh, you're Doubting Thomas. But we're going to look at that passage in John chapter 20, verse 24 through 31. So let's read what happened with poor Doubting Thomas. Here we go. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark, the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. 
Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. So imagine this. Thomas says, listen, even though he walked with Christ for over three years, he says, unless I can touch, taste, and feel the risen Savior, I will not believe. And so our text this morning, we're trying to figure out belief. And here's what I want you to be thinking, is why do you believe? Why do you believe? Because we're going to try to figure out why Thomas believes. We're going to look at other people in Scripture of why they believe. But my question is, is why do you believe? So here we go. We continue on. Verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, I mean, could you imagine? You're Thomas. He says, come here, come here. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it into my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, you have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So, that's us. The Bible says that we're blessed because none of us has seen the risen Savior. Yet here we are on the first day of the week, a beautiful Sunday... You could be doing so many other things, but what you've decided to do is to come congregate and we're going to study this thing we call the Bible because we believe that it's God's word. The reason why we're here is because in God's word, it commands us to be here. It says, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. So we come, we celebrate on the first day because that's what we see in the scripture. So here we are, the first day, and we're here because we believe. But my question is, is why do you believe? If someone came to you and said this, you know, I understand you're a Christian, but why do you believe? Is it because you were like Thomas and you were actually able to see the risen Savior? You actually got to see the nail marks in his hands? Or is it for another reason? Now, as a side point, but a major side point, we could preach a whole year's worth of sermons on this, but look at what Thomas said. My Lord and my God. If anyone tells you that Jesus Christ is not God, take them to this verse. Thomas proclaims this and Jesus receives that praise. Jesus is God. So my question is, why do you believe? Turn to John chapter 3. We're going to look at some people's lives and we're going to find out if you are one of these people. I'm going to give you four people. And I want you to say, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. That, that's why I believe. John chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. You remember this. We have Nick at night. Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So we have this elite Jewish man coming to Jesus. And here's what he says. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher 
come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So here's the thing. Are you a person like Nicodemus that you've seen the signs of Jesus? As we've gone through this and you've just seen Jesus do miracle after miracle after miracle, and you thought, the reason why I'm convinced that Jesus is God is because of all of his signs. Now here's the thing. There's some people that are not convinced by the signs. I mean, who rings out who saw all the signs that denied Christ? Who is it? It's Judas, right? Judas saw Jesus do all of these signs, but Judas did not believe that Jesus was the Christ. But yet we could find that later on, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they go and they get the body of Christ Nicodemus ended up becoming a believer in Jesus Christ. And if you look at his, his life, it says he saw the signs. So is that you? Are you one that is convinced by the signs? Turn with me to John chapter 9. Or was it a physical healing? Did you come to Christ because God physically healed you? Or you know someone? You remember the story here, John chapter 9, we'll start in verse 4, says this. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world... I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seen. He came back seen. Continue down, look at verse 10. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. Jump to verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, which is this man. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. So are you like this man, where your eyes were blind, or there was some sort of physical healing, you didn't know Christ, but somehow he healed you, and you thought, you know what, I believe that he is the Christ. Or are you like the woman at the will? Turn to John chapter 4. Are you like the woman at the well? Riddled with sin. You know, you know the story. There's a woman of Samaria. She's at the well. She's been married multiple times. The husband that she's living with is not her husband. And Jesus has this interaction with her. 
And she ends up going back to the town and saying, come see, could this be the Christ? Now here's the interesting thing. He says, look, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. And guess what? You know what he told her? He exposed her sin. And she wasn't offended. She didn't say, how dare you call me out? How dare you judge me? She said, no, no, come and see this man. He knew everything that I ever did, but guess what? He's going to forgive me. He's going to give me living water that I'll never thirst again. So are you like this, this woman who you just had so much sin in your life, and you came to Christ, and he said, I'll forgive you for everything. And you cried out, my Lord and my God. And you just grabbed a hold of Christ and you thought, I've been forgiven. You didn't, you didn't bow up and say, how dare you judge my sin. You said, no, I know, I know, I know I'm a sinner. This woman didn't defend herself. She didn't defend herself. And sadly, here's what's happened in our culture. Our culture is telling people, listen, Defend yourself against what they call sin. Don't agree that it's sin. Just tell them it's how you want to live your life and you have the right to live the life your way. That's not what this woman did. This woman was married multiple times in a relationship that was not pleasing to the Lord and the Lord called her out, and she became a believer in Christ. Or are you one of these people that was in the town of Samaria? Look at John chapter 4, verses 28 through 30. Were you one of these people? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming. Verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Her testimony was this, he told me all that I ever did. Do you believe Christ because of someone else's testimony? Someone else was ridden, riddled with sin and they were forgiven and they came to you and said, listen, let me introduce you to someone who told me all that I ever did. Come, he's the Christ. And you believe that Jesus is the Christ because of somebody else's testimony. Because here's what happens is that when we give our testimony, people are intrigued. They want to know more. They want to know, wait a minute, I know who you used to be, or I just learned about who you used to be, but yet you're changed. Why are you different? And it's your testimony. Your testimony is this, I was blind, but now I see. This woman here, I was riddled in sin, but come, let me tell you about someone who knew all that I ever did. Is this the Christ? And here's what they do. They come to Jesus by the testimony, 
But it doesn't stop there. They're drawn to him by her testimony. And you might have been drawn to Christ by someone's testimony. But look at verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we now know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. I mean, look how beautiful that is. So you tell someone, listen, let me tell you about Jesus. He forgave me for all that. And you might be pretty raw, and you lay it out there, everything that you ever did. And then you tell them, listen, but he forgave me. Come and see. Let me show you. You invite them here. And then they have an encounter with the real Savior. And then they say, it's no longer that I believe because of what you said, but now I have an encounter with Jesus. And that's what we want here. We want when people walk through that door, they've been invited by you, but they come into contact with the real Savior. Based on your testimony, you say, listen, I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I was fine. Come with me. Let me introduce you to the risen Savior. You bring them here. They hear God's word, and then they believe without even seeing. But they know because the Bible says this in John chapter 3, is that we have been born from above. We're changed. Now the question is, how do you know you believe? If you're in your chair, I don't want you to defend yourself. I want you just to rip open your heart and say, Lord, let's look and to see if I can prove that I believe. This is between you and the Lord. If you were going to prove it to God and it's just you and him and he said, prove it, prove that you believe. How would you prove it? Now, sometimes what happens in this type of message is that people defend themselves. And they defend themselves, you know, well, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Listen, I don't want you to defend yourself to any person. I want it to be between you and Jesus. And I want you to say, do I believe? If I do, can I prove it? Can you prove it? Can you prove it by this, John chapter 13? Can you prove it by John chapter 13, verse 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If Jesus came to you right now, could you say, listen, Jesus, the reason why I could prove that I believe that you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, the Savior of the world, is because I have love for others. Could you do that? Could you prove it by Matthew chapter 28? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. 
28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Can you prove it by you are obeying Jesus and going out and telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ? It's just you and Jesus. And Jesus says, when's the last time that you did that? If you've never done that, my question is, do you really believe? Turn to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works and the scripture was filled and says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God you see that the person is justified by works and not by faith alone and in the same way was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. I'm going to tell you what this passage is not saying. This passage is not saying that we obtain our salvation by works. Salvation is a free gift of God. We can do nothing to obtain it. But what this passage is saying is that once you believe, you will be born from above and there will be works that pour out of your life. The question is, as you're alone with Christ and you say, Lord, do I have any works? Would I be convicted as being a Christian if someone could look at everything that I do in a day and they say you know what guilty that man that woman that child has got so many works for God they have to be a Christian or would someone say 
beyond a shadow of a doubt, they are innocent from being a Christian. They do not have works. So my question is, are you convinced that Jesus is alive? Are you like Thomas, where you say, my Lord and my God? Are you one here that God has spoken about and says that those are blessed that have not seen yet believe? Do you love people? Do you tell them about Jesus Christ? Do you have works? Because here's the thing, saints, this life is so fast. It goes by so fast. Don't wait to use your life for God's glory. Do something. Get alone with God and say, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do? And wait and ask. And guess what? If he doesn't say anything, then change your prayer to this. Lord, can we do this? Lord, can we do this? Lord, can we do this? It's so funny to me how people say, oh yeah, Lord's never told me to do anything. My question is, have you ever asked him if you can? Lord, can we start this? Can we do this ministry? And just wait. If he says yes, then guess what? We're going to have his power leading us to complete that ministry. My job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What you have to do is get alone with God and find out what is he wanting us to do. You've got to remember, this is, I'm not the head of this church. I'm just one of the body. I might be the knee because I'm sure not the mouth. I'm not the eyes because guess what? Who's the head of the church? It's Jesus. So the direction of the way we're going to go is not coming from me. It's coming from our king. So here's the thing is that we're all his. So we have to say, okay, king, what is it that you want us to do in Russellville? And we wait, and we wait, and maybe one person says, listen, I really feel like God is wanting us to do this. And so, we, okay, that's great. So we bring it before, and we pray, Lord, is this what you're wanting us to do? Yes. Okay, now we're going to rally around that, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to prove that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the risen Savior, by loving people, by telling people about Jesus, and by having good works. But last, look at John 14. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The way that we prove that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Lord, our God, is that we love Jesus. We love him with all of our hearts, all of our soul, and we prove that love by keeping his commandments. That's how we prove it. 
And so, saints, we're going to have a time of, of prayer. I just want you to ask God, Lord, what are you calling me to do? What ministry do you want us to do? And I want you to commit to spending time with the Lord by yourself and just say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? I don't want to waste my life. If I truly believe that Jesus is the Christ, Lord, I need to be doing something for you. So I challenge you, do something for the Lord. Prove your salvation. Prove that he set you free from sin. Prove that you really believe that unless someone repents of their sin, they're going to go to a place called hell forever. Put it all on the line. It's, there's no more time to just be incognito. There's no more time to put our family, our relationships, our job in front of Christ. We have to put ourselves out there because we believe that Jesus is the Savior. Let's pray. Father, we, we want to be changed. We want your Holy Spirit to guide us, to show us how to serve and to love and to prove out our salvation. Lord, we want to have good works. Lord, give us the courage to share the gospel with people. Lord, Help us to love one another. So saints right now, just take a minute and ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? If there's been a ministry on your mind, now ask him, Lord, can we do this? Father, I pray that we would become a church that if the doors ever closed, that Russellville would be so sad, that the town would be, I can't believe that Russellville Baptist Church is no longer here. What are we going to do? Lord, I pray that 
people would look at our church as the place where you get help, you get transformed. Lord, where you get fed and you get loved and you get clothed. Lord, let us be accused at being that church that just loves people. That church that preaches the truth, that believes the truth. Lord, let us be a city on a hill. Lord, let us provide light to this community. Lord, let us be that preserving agent. Lord, just guide us. This is, this is your church. Show us which direction we're to go. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand with me. This is just a time that we've carved out where you can come forward and use these steps as a meeting place with, with the Lord. You can ask him, Lord, just guide me. I, I don't know, what is it you want me to do? Or if you wanna know more about receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm here. Another one of, uh, one of our members is here. Come talk to us. Here's the gospel, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he died on the cross for your sins, but in order for there to be forgiveness, you have to agree that you have sinned. Sin is breaking God's rules. He's, la he's laid out very clear rules. So it's believing that you've sinned. It's believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and that he rose again on the third day and you're putting your life in him. You're believing in him. And as you do that, your life will change. You'll say no to sin and yes to loving people, to loving God, to telling others about him and there will be works in your life. And if you wanna join this church, all that is is coming forward and saying, yeah, this is the congregation that I wanna be a part of. It doesn't save you, it does not save you. Only a relationship with Christ is what saves you. So no matter what decision that you wanna make, just know that we're here as the Lord leads you, you come. The Savior is waiting. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Thank you for joining us today on the RBC Pulpit Podcast. If you would like more information regarding Russellville Baptist Church, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.russellbaptist.com or you can find us on Facebook at Russellville Baptist Church.